0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. I'm excited about this new series. Something that God has put on my heart. It's been burning kind of in my heart for the last couple of months and I'm excited to kick it off. It's called Love Like Jesus. Everybody say Love Like Jesus. Love Love Like Jesus. And really the heart of this series is going to come from this passage. It's really going to be the key passage for this entire series. It's found in John chapter 13 and verse 34. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open them up there, put your finger there, get your notes out, get your LifeGate app out, wherever it is that you're going to study the word with us today to John 13, 34. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of tell you where we're headed and what's happening. What this series is going to lead us to is something huge that's going to happen four weeks from today. How many know what's happening four weeks from today? Easter. Come on. Easter is the biggest day of the year for the church. I'm telling you, it is like the church Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Because here's the thing about Easter is that people, I mean, people who don't know Jesus, people who would not darken the door of a church will actually, especially in the Bible Belt where we live, will actually come to church two times a year on Christmas and on Easter. And the biggest one around here is Easter time. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, here's why it's important because this Easter Sunday, four weeks from today, and then our Saturday night service as well, is the number one opportunity that we have all year long to reach people who are far from God. Because here's the deal. You have friends and family members and people that you know who wouldn't go to church any other time. But if you invited them to Easter service and an Easter egg hunt, they will actually come on that day. And then they will hear the most important message of all time about Jesus' death and his resurrection and his life-changing power. In fact, we put, literally, we put all of our eggs into one basket when it comes to Easter. See what I did there? Come on, that was good. I know you got that. And here's, here's what we do. Like, we really promote Easter huge. We prepare, we get ready months in advance for Easter because we know it's the best opportunity of the year for you to reach your friends and neighbors. In fact, this year we're doing it again. We've got five, come on, count them. One, two, three, four, five Easter weekend worship experiences. Come on, right? That sounds awesome and exhausting, I know, but... And we've got that so that you can bring your friends. We've got two on Saturday, 3.30 and 5 o'clock, followed by an Easter egg hunt that's going to be down here at, at Hughes Middle School. Then we've got three services on Sunday. Our normal times, 9, 10, 25, 11, 50, followed by another Easter egg hunt down here at the, at the Hughes Middle School. And here's what we need. I believe this year, come on, last year, we did a little over a 1,000 people who came to church on Easter, right? We saw do- literally dozens of them make decisions for Christ's lives were change. Here's what I believe. I believe we can do that and even better this year. Come on. Do you believe that with me? But if that's going to happen, guess what? We're going to need your help. Everybody look at your neighbor saying, we need your help. We need your help. Two things that we're going to need from you, All right. The first one is this. We need everybody to find somewhere to serve on Easter weekend. Whether you're serving now and volunteering somewhere, or whether you're not, or whatever, we need everybody. Some of you already serving, we need you to serve an extra service on that weekend. Others of you that aren't doing anything, you just show up, we have a place for you, man. You could be on the usher team, the greeter team, you could be on the parking team, you could be on the hospitality team, help with kids, Easter egg hunt, all that kind of stuff. So I I need everybody today before you leave on your LifeGate app. I need you to go to the notification section and I need you to sign up to volunteer on Easter weekend. How many will help me with that? Thank you for those 3 hands that come on. I'm going to be here all by myself on Easter weekend. <laughs> Second thing I need you to do, you ready for this? I need you to invite somebody. So everybody say invite somebody. <laughs> invite somebody. Everybody knows somebody that needs to hear the message of Jesus. And I'm telling you they'll come. If you invite them on Easter weekend, we're making it easy for you. I'm going to tell you more about it at the end, but we have a, a friend contest for Easter. If you bring a friend, you and your friend on Easter, will get into a drawing for family season passes the six flags. Come on. You can't beat that. Right. And it's not about that as much as it is about, we want to make it easy for you to invite someone to come on Easter. so that Jesus can touch and change their life because that's what it's all about. How many would agree with me on that, right? In fact, that's what this series is all about. Love like... Jesus, man, this is something that's been burning in my heart for a while, really since the end of last year, when God began to put on our heart every year, we ask God to give us a word that kind of is the focus for the year. And at the beginning of the year, God gave us this word as a church that, that this year would be focused on family. And really, honestly, when that word kind of God put that word in my heart, I thought, you know what? The truth is, that's not really anything new. Actually, that's kind of a part of who we are as a church. In fact, I get people all the time. Maybe some of you have been the ones that have said this and said hey when we walked into the doors for the very first time we just felt at home we just felt like family we just felt we just felt loved we just felt the connection and the community in fact this is really a part of who we are that makes us unique here at LifeGate that we are a loving family driven kind of a church and here's what god kind of put on my heart that i want to bring about a new season of growth to LifeGate in fact we're going to get into a new building. Hopefully, at the end of this year, the beginning of next year, and more people are going to come to be a part of Lifegate. But no matter how many people come and no matter how many lives are touched, we're still going to be a family. We're still going to love one another. Come on, right? And that's the heart of this series, and it kind of leads me to our key verse for today. In John chapter 13, and verse number 34, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and let's look at it together. In fact, read it on the screen there. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you what? If you love one another. How many would say that love one another was kind of a big deal to Jesus? (laughs) In fact, right here, I mean, in two verses, he says it three times. Love one another. Now, why would that be such a big deal to Jesus? Jesus saying, this is my main message, guys. And why would he say that? I think the reason that he was saying that was because he knew that we would live in a world that's not very loving. I mean, think about it. You look around and you see the world that we live in today. And it was this way in Jesus' day as well. I mean, what do you see? You see conflict. You see struggle, you see hatred, you see violence, you see war, you see prejudice. You see all of these things around us in the world. And Jesus says, here's the thing that's going to make you stand out among the world that you live in. This is the thing that's going to make people look at you and say, I know now that they are really a disciple of Jesus. This is the thing that is going to cause your life to be attractive and cause people to be attracted to God. When they look at you and they see your love for one another. It's going to make all the difference. And then he says something interesting. He says, guys, here's what I called you to do to love one another. And then he tells us how he wants us to do it. He says, as I have loved you, I want you to love like me. I want you to love like Jesus. I started thinking about this. Like, how did Jesus love? If this is how we're supposed to love, How did he love? And of course, you've got the Sunday school answer. Jesus, he loved us. He died on the cross and he rose from the grave. And that's important. We're going to talk about that in this series and coming up in Easter. But I started thinking from a little different angle, like in his relationships, in a practical way, like in the people that Jesus, that Jesus did life with, how did he love them? And I started just kind of studying the life of Jesus and how he interacted with people and just started kind of jotting down things that came to my mind, the way that he loved different people. And I got like a notebook of like 12 different things that came to my mind. The problem is we don't have 12 weeks for this series. We only got four. So I narrowed it down to four. And in this series, what I want us to do is I just want us to see four different ways that Jesus loved us and how he is calling us to love others. We're going to start with the first one, and that is this, that Jesus' love is a patient love. So everybody say patient love. Patient love. Now, let's do a little survey here. And you got to help me out. I need you to, need you to participate uh, all through the room today. How many of you would raise your hand and you would say, I know someone in my life that in order to love them, it requires some patience. Come on. Raise your hand. Don't point. I see some of you pointing at people. <laughs> that ain't good. You're going to get in trouble, right? We all have them, don't we? We have those people that are kind of like what Rick Warren calls EGR people. Extra grace required. Anybody know any of those people? Like, man, I'm around them and, man, I want to love them. But, man, they just try my patience. Come on. Maybe some of you know some people like this. Like, I get around them and they're just like the super critical person. They just criticize everything. They don't like the way I'm doing my hair, the clothes I'm wearing, the way I spend my money, the way I raise my kids. Come on, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I get around them and I want to love them. I know I'm supposed to love them. It's Just trying my patience. Come on, right? Or maybe you get some people that are in your life that are like the extra, really extra clingy and needy people. Anybody, you know, any of those kind of people, you know, they're the kind of people that you do, you know, you're talking on the phone, everything's good. You hang up five minutes later, they're calling you back and saying, are you okay? Are we okay? Did I do something? Come on. Anybody know somebody like this? They're the ones that call you and you don't answer and they leave an eight minute long voicemail, right? Those kind of people, or maybe, maybe some of you, it's like the bossy people, you get those people in your life that and they don't act you want to love them but like they don't ask you they just make they, they tell you right and you're like Wah. and it's just it's trying my patience and we all know people like this that then they require a lot of love a lot of grace a lot of patience maybe it's you know for for some of your parents maybe it's your toddler you know just trying your patience maybe it's maybe it's your teenager maybe it's your spouse or your boss or your or your employees or maybe it's people that you go to school with you we're all thinking of somebody in our mind if you're not thinking to somebody in your mind right now, maybe it's you, you know. And we all have them, right? And how does God call us to love people that are hard to love? What does He call us to do? He calls us to love others as He has loved us. And when you study the way that Jesus interacted with people and the love that He gave to others, every single time it was a patient love. In fact, I studied this relationship that Jesus had with a guy who was, I would say, he was probably an EGR kind of a guy. This was a guy who required a lot of patience, a guy named Peter. Come on. Right? You studied Peter, and Peter was the guy who was constantly speaking before he thought, constantly putting his foot in his mouth, constantly doing stuff that, I mean, that caused a lot of patience to hang around Peter. I mean, I know they didn't have this diagnosis back then, but maybe if we diagnose Peter today, you might say he has ADD. You know what I'm saying? Because he was all over the place. And yet, in all of Peter's faults and failures and all, Jesus loved him. And he was patient with him over and over and over again. In fact, I just thought of three different instances where Jesus was patient with Peter. And I put them in your notes. If you want to write them down, there's three things. The first one is this, is that Jesus was patient with Peter's faith. Now think about this. I I love this story. Here's the disciples. They're out, in the, they're out in the boat. And Jesus is the one that told them to get in the boat. And they get out there and it starts raining. And then it starts storming. Then they start getting scary. And all of a sudden, somebody comes walking on the water. And who is it? We know it's Jesus walking on the water. And the disciples, they're freaking out. And they say, man, is it, is it a ghost? What is it? And Jesus says, no, no, it's just me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter pipes up and he does what Peter does. Like Peter just just acts on the impulse. And he says, Jesus, if that's you really out out there, then let me come out of the boat and walk out there to you. Now let's stop the story for just a second. And first of all, we, we like to give Peter a hard time, but let's give him some props there first, right? I mean, you didn't see the other disciples saying, let me get out of the boat. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen me saying that. I mean, Hey, this is a good boat. That's bad water. I'm staying in here, you know? And so he had faith. I mean, awesome, incredible faith, even to do something that nobody else besides Jesus has ever done. Amazing. But we also know what happens. That Peter has faith, but it's a, it's a growing faith. That he's learning and growing in faith. And so what happens? He gets out on the water. He starts walking. But then what do we see happen? He gets distracted. He sees the wind. He sees the waves. He sees the things. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. And what happens? He sinks. And isn't this the way many of us are sometimes with our faith? Like we have faith to start off really good but not faith to finish very good? Come on. We have faith to talk a big talk sometimes, but not necessarily always to walk great walk. We're, we're, we have faith, but sometimes we're not very faithful. Come on. Some of you are saying, I don't do that. Okay, well, how many Bible programs have you started and not finished, right? how many times have you said, I'm on a tithe, or I'm going to go to church, and you start really good at the beginning of the year, or whatever, and then you, you falter in your faith, and let's just, let's just be honest, and call it what it is, man, sometimes, when we see that in others, the tendency is to get frustrated, I'll just be like, if, if it's okay, if I just totally be honest today, sometimes, I, as a pastor, I get frustrated with y'all, I do, <laughs> I've been doing this for you know, a little over 20 years and I've seen the patterns. I've seen, the oh man, I'm going to serve Jesus and we're all in pastoring the church and, and, and stuff like that. And then you know it's a week or a month or a few months and then, and, and I see people who are, who are babies in their faith who step out big, but then they don't finish what they start. And sometimes the tendency sometimes is to get a little frustrated yeah. and say, man, what's wrong with you? you know, when are you going to get it? And when we look at Jesus, like here's Peter. He talks a big talk and he even has faith to step out of the boat. But then he takes his eyes off Jesus and he falters in his faith. And how does Jesus respond? Does he say, what's wrong with you, Peter? I knew you were going to do that. No, what does he do? He just gently and patiently reaches down his hand. He picks Peter back up, puts him back on his feet. How does Jesus love us? He loves us that he is patient, even when our faith falters. And the truth is, is that we're all in a process every one of us, some of you are here and you've been following Jesus for a long, long time. And so maybe you're a little further in your walk in faith. Some of you just been saved for a week and you're just back today and you're, you're not very far along in your faith. And here's the deal. All of us, all of us are in a process. All of us are in a, in a growing faith. And so if we're going to reach people the way Jesus has called us and we're going to love people the way Jesus has called us to love, then here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to realize that everybody that walks into the doors of this church is somewhere in the process of their faith and they're going to make some false starts and they're going to fall. They're going to mess up. And so are we. And so we've got to be patient with people in their faith. And here's the deal. Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I'm the one that started strong and I fail. And I don't know. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus is patient with you. He loves you so much that he even brought you into a family that would love you and walk through it with you. Jesus, his love was patient. He was patient with Peter's faith. Number two, he was patient with with peter's fears, I love this story. Jesus is about to go to the cross he's going to be betrayed he's going to be beaten he's going to be i mean a brutal death on the cross, and the night before that he's in the garden and he's he's praying. And here's what happens. The soldiers come to take Jesus away, to take him to trial. And what does Peter do? Peter does what many of us would have done in that that instance. He freaks out. (laughs) He gets afraid. And what does he do? He grabs his sword and he slices the dude's ear off. I love it. It's like This is like the Star Wars of the Bible, I'm telling you. It's like Peter's fear leads him to the dark side. He grabs his saber and he slices the dude's ear off. And how does Jesus respond? Does Jesus, like, you know, force choke him like Darth Vader? What's wrong with you, Peter? No. What does he do? Patiently, gently, kindly, he reaches down, grabs the guy's ear, sticks it back on him, and heals him. (laughs) Greatest story ever. And, And I think about what made Peter react the way that he reacted. He was afraid you know, it's the same thing that makes us react the way we react sometimes. It's the same thing that brings conflict sometimes in our relationship. It's the th- same thing that causes husband and wife to fight. It's the same thing that causes struggle sometimes in a life group or in a church setting or in a work setting or whatever it is. Many times we act out of our fears and our insecurities. We act out of our anxieties. And here's what happens. When I act out in anxiety, the tendency sometimes is to get frustrated with me. And so you get frustrated and you act it back out at me and then... Eventually we've got conflict to the point where it's even like, man, this is not even worth it. I'm giving up on the relationship. But Jesus loved with, with a patient love. He understood why Peter was acting the way that he was acting. He understood it was his insecurity and his fear. And so he loved him in the middle of it. How did Jesus love us? He was patient. Patient with our how did he love Peter? He was patient with his with his fears. Number three, write this one down. He was patient with his failures. Now think about this. Here's Peter. We already talked about it. He talked a big talk. What did he do? At one point, he told Jesus. He said, Jesus, even if everyone else leaves you, I'll never leave you. Even if I have to die, I will never leave you. And then we find Jesus in the, in the most difficult moment of his entire life. He's on trial, about to be crucified. And here's Peter. He's sitting by the fire and a little teenage girl comes up to him, and says, Hey, weren't you one of the disciples? And what does Jesus do? Or what is, what does Peter do? He said, no, not me. Wasn't me. And three times he denies even knowing who Jesus was. And this is a major failure, but it wasn't just a failure. Like it was a betrayal. It was personal. And some of you, man, that's that's you here today. And you hear me talking about loving others, and you're like, but you don't know what they did. They failed me. And it wasn't, man, it, it was someone who had told me they was gonna love me and then they stopped loving me. It was someone who had said that they were my friend, but then they did something behind my back that, man, this it's personal. How can I be patient with them? How can I how can I love them when I know? What they did to me. And yet, how did Jesus love Peter? Like you can you can read the rest of the story. And you see, after Jesus went to the cross and after he rose again on the third day, there he is. And and Mary comes to the tomb and she sees Jesus. And what does Jesus say to her? Jesus says, first of all, he says, I'm here. I'm alive. But then he says, this is what I want you to go and tell the disciples And Peter. It's interesting that he says it that way. He doesn't just say, go tell the disciples. He singles out, I want you to make sure and find Peter and tell Peter that I'm alive. What is he doing? He is saying, I know what Peter did, but I want him to know that I'm patient with him and I still love him anyway. Even after that, Peter goes back to what he knows. He's like, man, I ain't good at this disciple thing. I'm going to go back to being a fisherman. So he goes back and he's fishing. And Jesus goes and seeks him out personally finds him calls him in they have breakfast together and just like just like Peter denied Jesus 3 times three different times Jesus reinstates Peter into the plan that he had for him three different times what was he doing he was saying Peter I know you blew it but I love you anyway I'm making allowances for your failures I'm patient with with the failures of your life, because I love you. And it was so powerful in Peter's life that he would actually later write two books in the New Testament. And in one of those books, he would speak about what he learned about God's patience. Look in second Peter three and verse nine. Peter says this, the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised the way some people understand slowness, but God is being what is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. Here's what Peter's doing. Peter's going, Hey, this is what I learned in my relationship with Jesus. If anybody needed some patience in order to, in order to love, it was me. But here's the way that Jesus loved me. He was patient. And here's what you need to know that God is patient with you. Jesus says, the way I have loved you, Love others. Love like Jesus. So let's flip the script a minute. What does that look like? Like if we're going to love others the way Jesus loved Peter and the way Jesus loved us, then how are we going to do it? We're going to have to learn to be patient with others. In fact, this is what this is what Paul talked about. We, we studied this passage a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 13. Look what he says about love. Love is what? Love is... Patient and kind. In case that wasn't clear enough for you, I just studied it in a few other versions, uh, translations of the Bible. In the God's Word translation, it says, Love never stops being patient. In the message, it says, Love puts up with anything. In the New Century Version, it says, Love patiently accepts all things. Here's what Paul is saying Hey, sometimes you got to put up with some stuff to love people. Sometimes you got to make allowances for people in order to love them. Sometimes they're getting on your nerves and they're trying your patience, but you love them anyway. Sometimes you want to give up on them, but you give them another chance anyway, because this is how Jesus loved us. And this is what love does. So how do we live this out practically in our lives? Three things, write them down. Number one, if I'm going to love with a patient love, the way Jesus loves, then this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to begin by seeing potential in everyone. See, this is what patient love really does. Patient love says, you're worth waiting on. Patient love looks at others and says, I know you might not be there yet. I know you might just be barely growing in your faith. I know you might be struggling with some fears and some insecurities. I know you might be down and out in your failure. But I see the potential in you. And I am willing to walk with you even if you are walking slowly. That's what patient love does. Patient love understands that everybody's in the process. But everybody has potential. See, if we're going to love people the way Jesus loves, here's what we're going to have to start by doing, is seeing people the way he sees them. You know what he sees when he looks at you? He sees potential. Not just who you are, but who you can be. You know what he sees when he looks at others? He sees potential. Not just who they are, but who they can be. With his spirit working in their lives. And so if we're going to love people the way Jesus loves them, we've got to start seeing them the way Jesus sees them. we got to start seeing potential in them. In fact, I like the way John Maxwell says it. He says, we ought to paint an imaginary 10 on everybody's forehead. We ought to see that, that everyone is a 10 in some way. The potential in them. And you know, you think about it honestly. Most people probably wouldn't have put a 10 on Peter's forehead. Like he was a reject. Really, I mean, you really get into it and study it. The reason that he was a fisherman was he had already been rejected by other rabbis to follow them. And so Jesus comes along and he sees what everyone else saw, a four or a five or a six. And he sees a ten on his forehead. And he realizes that, hey, it may take a while, but this guy is going to be powerful in my kingdom because I see the potential in him. And aren't you glad he did? I mean, think about it. Peter goes on to be one of the greatest apostles ever. On the day of Pentecost, stands up. 3,000 people are saved as he preaches. He goes on to read, to write first and second. Peter, he goes on to be the guy that, that God works through to actually bring the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm telling you, if you're not a Jew here today, the reason you can know Jesus is because the way God worked through Peter. Aren't you glad that God saw potential in him when nobody else did? And the truth is, if we're going to love like Jesus we got to start putting tens on everybody's forehead. we got to start realizing, man, I may not, they may not be it yet, but they're in the process. They may even be early in the process, but I'm going to see potential in them, and I'm going to love them the way Jesus has loved me. This is what we want to do at LifeGate. This is the reason we have LifeTrack. LifeTrack is all about that. It's all about saying, hey, there's potential in you, and God has put gifts and talents in your life. We want to help you to discover them because we think you're a ten. See the potential. Number two, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to show mercy. Here's what patient love does. Patient love is merciful when it would be easier to give judgment. And the truth is really, let's get down to it, guys. We have really two different, when when it comes down to it, we have two different standards, the way we judge others and the way we judge ourselves. Come on, right? And we tend to be very harsh on others and very merciful towards ourselves. We tend to judge others based on their actions and base our and and base our own judgments on ourselves based upon our intentions. But here's what here's what patient love does. Patient love flips it on its on its head. Patient love says, hey, I'm going to be hard on myself and I'm going to be easy on others. Patient love says, man, I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to judge myself on what I did, not just what I meant to do. But I'm going to look at others and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to show mercy and grace towards others because that's what God did towards me. And you say, Pastor, that's just too hard. I don't know if I can do that. And man, you don't know what they have done. You don't know what they have said. You don't know how the things have happened in my life. And, what, and how do I give them mercy? Here's how you do it you remember the mercy that has been shown to you. Simple as that. It's the whole reason we partake in communion like we did this morning. We're remembering what God has done for me. And here's how I can forgive others and show patient love to others is I remember what God has done for me. And if he did it for me, then he's calling me to do it for others. I'm gonna have to see potential. I'm gonna have to show mercy. Number three, I'm gonna have to seek God's help. Because here's the deal, guys. This stuff ain't easy. It doesn't come naturally. Naturally, we tend to be harsh, critical. We tend to give up on people who have messed up. Man, I will give you a chance. I'll give you two chances. But three strikes and you're out. <laughs> That's our natural inclination. But let me tell you something. As followers of Christ, we're not called to live by our nature. We're called to live by the Spirit. And the truth is naturally you, you can't give God's love but through the spirit working in our life you can you can supernaturally love the way that Jesus has loved you. This is what Paul was talking about in this famous passage of scripture in Galatians in Galatians chapter 5 in verse number in verse number 22 19 through 22 he's talking about the difference between living by the flesh and living by the spirit and look what he says the acts of the flesh are obvious there's sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery and and idolatry, and witchcraft, and hatred, and discord, and jealousy, and fits of rage, and selfish ambition, and dissensions, and factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then look what he says in verse 22. But the fruit of the what? Of the spirit is love, joy, joy peace. What is, what is this word? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, on our own, naturally, here's what we're going to produce. We're going to produce jealousy and discord and anger and strife and hatred and, and all kinds of violence and divisions and factions and problems in our relationships if we're living by our flesh, by what is natural to us. But when we decide, hey, I'm going to live by the Spirit, I'm not going to go by what's natural, I'm going to live by the Spirit of God in me, then what does that produce? It produces love. It produces joy. It produces peace and kindness and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All things that will make a difference in our relationships, but it only comes when the Spirit of God is flowing through us. Pastor, why are you getting so passionate? I'm telling you, because this makes the difference. I look around in a world I see is filled with hatred. A world that's filled with All kinds of violence and hurt. I look around in a church setting and I even see people as Christians who get angry with one another. And backbite and gossip and all this stuff that flows from our own human nature. But when we look at how Jesus loved us. we got to go, man, he's been so patient. It's so kind to me. How can I not be patient and kind with others? Those that have hurt me. Those who are just getting on my nerves. Those who start off strong and they falter and I get tired of that. Those who have fears and insecurities. God was patient with all those things for me. Now in turn, I'll be patient with others. I'm going to see potential in people. I'm going to see them the way Jesus sees them. I'm going to show them the mercy that Jesus showed to me. And with God's help, we're going to love like Jesus.